Hey everybody, this is Brian Zond and welcome to the Word of Life Church Sermon Podcast. I'm glad you're interested in what we have to say as we try to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you would ever be so inclined to help us financially, you can do that at wolc.com. Good morning, everybody. You know what I like? You know what I like? I like getting up on Sunday morning when it's 17 below zero and coming to church. No, seriously, I do like it. I'm not joking. I actually like it. (laughs) Obviously, not everyone does. Uh, I get that. I get that. So there you are. You're all cozy. You're, You're probably still in your PJs, aren't you? All right. Well, well. Great. I'm glad you're online with us. Uh, yeah, that was, that was kind of epic last night and today. That's whoo, whoo, whoo. But I like it. <laughs> I don't know what that probably says something about me. Probably should seek help. But anyway. Uh, oh, yeah. We've got, um, you know, we're one month away from Ash Wednesday in the beginning of Lent. Uh-huh. One month away. February 14th, previously known as Valentine's Day. <laughs> Now known as Ash Wednesday, <laughs> uh, Lent begins. And we're doing our, I don't know, I'd like to know how many years we've done this. I don't know what annual it is, like seventh annual, or I don't know what it is. Uh, Lenten retreat at Conception Abbey, uh, about, I don't know, 35 minutes here from, from St. Joseph. And we've, so what happens is we will have, we'll have an Ash Wednesday service in here. And then we're going to go up to Conception Abbey and have a Lenten retreat, not for 24 hours, but for 48 hours. We've, we've added it. We thought, oh, it needs to be better. And, and we're not taking your phone away this year. <laughs> we, we used to call it 24 hours unplugged and we, we took your phone away. Uh, we're going to let you keep your phone, but we're also going to keep it contemplative. And so we've added an extra day that was by popular demand. And so you need, but you need to get, we still have openings, but you need to get registered for that for our Lenten retreat at Conception Abbey, February 15, 16, 17. I mean, it starts, it starts what, Thursday night, and then we, we end mm, Saturday afternoon. And so go to wolc.com slash retreat, and you can, get, you can get registered. It's gonna be awesome. All right, time for a message from the scriptures. John chapter one. Verse 51, and he said to him, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the son of man. You will see heaven opened. Heaven opened. That's what I want to preach on today. Now, Way back in the time of the patriarchs, the time of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob was fleeing from his brother Esau because, well, Jacob was a man full of guile. And he had deceived his father, deceived his brother, cheated his brother out of the birthright and blessing. And so he's having to flee from the wrath of Esau. And as he is journeying, night falls upon him at Bethel. 
And he lays himself down upon the ground and pillows his head upon a rock. As he slept, Jacob had a dream. He dreamed that a ladder was set on the earth whose top reached to the heavens. And the angels of God were ascending and descending upon this ladder that reached to the heavens. When Jacob awoke from his dream, he said this, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Now, this story from Genesis 28 has had a powerful influence upon our theological imagination, as well it should. It speaks to us in several ways. It speaks to us of the reality of another world called heaven. Okay. This, this world is not all there is, this material world. This world that you can see and encounter through your five physical senses, this is not all there is. There is another world. This, this story speaks to that. It provokes our theological imagination. Oh, there's another world. Yes, yes, there's earth, but then there's heaven. This story of Jacob's ladder speaks to us of another order of being called angels, which apparently are beings of pure spirit. Humans are this synthesis of the dust of the earth and the breath of God. We are matter and spirit combined, but angels appear, if I'm understanding it correctly, to be pure spirit, which, by the way, again, should not be understood as less real or ephemeral or less substantial. In fact, it would be the opposite. But anyway, this story alerts us to the reality of other beings called angels. And it speaks to us of the possibility of interaction between these two worlds. There's two worlds, but, but there is still transport and movement, interaction between earth and heaven. The angels of God are ascending and descending. And the story of Jacob's ladder has also captured artistic imagination. I'll give you a few examples. Uh, this first one of Jacob's ladder comes from well, this, this comes from a very late medieval period, circa 1490, comes from the French school. We don't know exactly who the artist is, but uh, there it is. There, we've got Jacob, he's got, he's got some sweet traveling clothes. Look at that. Look at his attire, that's nice. That's nice. Got those boots, I like those boots. And uh, there he is, you know, his head upon the rock and he's having a dream. And there we see, there we see the, there we see the, the ladder and the angels and, and, there, and there's God himself in his holy heaven high above. All right, this is, we're trying to, we're trying to capture imagination here. Later, we, we, get, we have an example from William Blake from 1805. This is William Blake's version of it. And here we got, here we don't have a ladder, we have a stairway. This is the, this is the original stairway to heaven right here. If there's a bustle in your hedgerow, don't be alarmed now. It's just a spring clean for the May Queen. All right. That went over great. Um, I like this one. I like, first of all, I like Blake anyway. This is 1805, this is Blake, there's Jacob. 
He's all, he's snoozing. <laughs> he's all slumbering. And then, then you see the dream. You see, there's the stars and it's, a, not a, it's not a ladder, it's a stairway. And I like this one because the angels are actually coming and going. In the first one, they were all just going up the ladder because it's kind of hard to go up and down. You know, you, you have to work it out. Uh, here, well, they're, they're coming and going. Some are coming down, others are going up and they're actually doing things. You know, some are bringing scrolls or books or, or food or pictures and, 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 and some are greeting each other. You see, they're giving each other a hug and I, I just, I like that one. That's a good one. And then, quite modern, 1966, Mark Chagall. I love Chagall. Jacob's ladder. There's Jacob. There's the ladder. There's the angels. Uh, in, the, in the top right-hand corner, spoiler alert. <laughs> it kind of gives it away. Do you see what I'm talking about? I'll come back to that. But a uh, little bit of Mark Chagall spoiler alert about the nature of this ladder. Jacob's ladder. So the story of Jacob's ladder in Genesis lurks in the background of the story in John that is our gospel reading today. We've heard it. So it's, it's early at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry and he's gathering his disciples. In John's account, it's, it's first Andrew and then Peter and then he calls Philip. And then Philip goes and, goes and finds this guy named Nathaniel of Cana. And he says, hey, we have found the one whom Moses and the prophets have spoken of. And then Daniel says, well, who is it? And Philip said, it's Jesus, son of Joseph of Nazareth. Nazareth. You've heard this. Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Well, come and see. And so Philip takes Nathaniel to Jesus. And when Jesus sees Nathaniel coming to him, he says, ah, oh, behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no guile. Ah, this is interesting because clearly these, this story in John 1 is going to connect with the story in Genesis 8 of Jacob and the dream and the ladder and all that. What was Jacob? He was the consummate man of guile. And he's, he's full of guile. I mean, he's, he's, deceiving, he's deceiving his father, his brother, his uncle. And this is, this is who he is until, until Jabuk, until he wrestles with God all night. And God changes him, transforms him, changes his name, gives him a new name. No longer shall you be called Yaakov, heel grabber, deceiver, supplanter. You shall be called Yisrael. For you've wrestled with God and prevailed. Well, so we have, this, we have this idea of deceit or not, guile or not. In the Genesis 28 story, it involves this man full of guile. But now Jesus sees Nathanael, he says, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no guile. Nathanael says, well, where did you get to know me? He said, well, before Philip called you, I saw you under the fig tree. And apparently... Apparently, Nathaniel was praying under the fig tree. No one else was around, but Jesus says, I saw you under the fig tree. And Nathaniel says, oh, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. Jesus says, because I said I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? Oh, you're going to see greater things than that. 
And he said to him, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the son of man. So in Genesis, Jacob's ladder is a mystery. There's some mysterious connection between heaven and earth. Somehow there is a a ladder, a stairway, a portal that connects these two two realms, the temporal, more ephemeral realm of the earth and the eternal, more substantial realm of heaven. They're connected. They're not just completely separate from one another. There is a ladder, a stairway, a portal that connects the two. And um, we see this movement back and forth upon this mysterious ladder. We don't really understand it, but we see that there is movement back and forth, that, that heaven and earth are not totally sealed off from one another. There's movement back and forth. But now, here in the Gospel of John, the mystery is revealed. Jesus is the ladder that Jacob saw in his dream. Amen. Jesus is the ladder that Jacob saw in his dream. Jesus Christ is the logos in incarnation that unites in one person the nature of God and the human nature, right? They, They come together, Jesus is fully God. He didn't become God, he's not part God, he's not sort of God, he is very God from very God. Eternally, begotten, not made. But he's also, and this might be the harder thing for some of you, Jesus was and is, was and is fully human. Every bit as human as you are. It's in Jesus Christ that heaven and earth perfectly unite. The divine and the human perfectly unite. Two natures, one person. And the name of Jesus is the point where heavenly aid travels between heaven and earth. I like that. The name of Jesus is the point at which, the point at which heavenly aid travels between heaven and earth. And the cross of Christ is the ladder set up on the earth that unites heaven and earth. Go back to that Chagall painting. Mark Chagall, 1966. I think he calls this, I think his title for this is Jacob's dream. And here you have Jacob, he's, you know, in the red and you have the, you have the ladder and the angels, much other stuff over on the right hand corner up there. It's, it's all on its side. Do you see, do you see Christ crucified? That's why, that's why I said it's a spoiler alert. (laughs) It's, it's telling you that the ladder that unites heaven and earth, in fact, is the cross of Jesus Christ. And so that we live now with heaven opened. Isn't that good? Heaven opened, not closed, heaven opened. Now, the existential sense of being lost, abandoned, adrift, that is so common in the modern soul is the experience of living under a closed heaven locked within a materialist world. If we believe that, well, hey, we're here in this, in this, in this building. And if, and if we thought, okay, there, 
There's nothing beyond that. We, we, we see the lights of this auditorium. We see the kind of the blackness of the sea and then that's it. There, that's the, the whole of reality, the whole of the phenomenon I mean is in here. Well, this is what causes us to feel lost and abandoned and cut off from meaning. And, and we can, there are philosophies that will convince us that this is it. This is all, there's nothing. If we, if we say there's something above, people will go, oh, isn't that quaint? You believe those childish dreams. Okay, this is, this is the predicament of the modern soul. And the despair of living in a world with a distant or closed off or non-existent heaven uh, is set forth in the book of Ecclesiastes with the recurring theme under the sun. It's a recurring theme throughout this, this interesting book, the book of Ecclesiastes, attributed to Solomon. And that phrase, under the sun, it, it occurs nowhere else in the Bible except the book of Ecclesiastes, where it occurs 28 times. And it seems to function as a kind of idiom for, by under the, by under the sun, we mean there's nothing else out there. We're just under the sun. We're, we're under, yes, the sun is there. We have the sun, we have the moon, we have the stars, and there ain't nothing else out there. There's no real transcendent heaven. We're just under the sun. And so um, that leads to this kind of perspective on life. For example, Ecclesiastes 1.9, what has been is what will be. What has been done is what will be done. There is nothing new under the sun. What has been is what will be. What has been done is what will be done. There's nothing new under the sun. Do you believe that? See, this, this, this highlights the problem of biblicism where, you know, you just find any verse in the Bible you can. You said, the Bible says it, I believe it, that settles it. Well, no, it doesn't settle it. <laughs> because we don't believe that. We believe something like, if anyone is in Christ, whoo, behold, new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are made new. So, but but that, that's all contingent upon an open heaven. If, if God in heaven is somehow reaching down into our world and there's interacting, then we say, oh no, there's all kinds. But we're not just under the sun, there's an open heaven and, there's, and that's where the possibility of newness is. But if we don't think that way, then we're left with, oh, it's just the same old thing. There's nothing new under the sun. Nothing ever changes. Verse 14, I have seen everything that is done under the sun. And behold, all is vanity and striving after the wind. All right, this dude is in despair. Soren Kierkegaard called despair the sickness unto death. And Solomon says, man, I've done it all. Let me tell you something. If it can be done, I've done it. I have had the opportunity to try everything and here's what my conclusion, that all is vanity and striving after the wind. All we are is dust in the wind. I can, I can do rock songs all day long. I can. And then 
Chapter two, verse 17. So I hated life. I mean, it gets worse. So I hated life because what is done under the sun was grievous to me for all is vanity and striving after the wind. All right, we're, we're, we're completely into existential misery by now. I hated life. Chapter four, verse one. Again, I saw all the oppressions that are done under the sun. Behold the tears of the oppressed and they have no one to comfort them. On the side of their oppressors, there was power and there was none to comfort them. Well, you're wrong, Solomon. Isaiah will proclaim comfort, comfort my people. And then the gospel writers work with that and say, you know, the comfort comes because the son of God came from heaven and came among us. There is, and, and Jesus says, and I will give you another comforter that he may be with you always. Don't say there's not comfort for the oppressed. There is. Finally, one last one. This is, this is just five of the 28 like this. 612. For who knows what is good for a man while he lives the few days of his vain life, which passes like a shadow. For who can tell what will be after him under the sun? Sounds like a post-Christian podcast right there. If heaven is closed or non-existent, this is the philosophy of despair we're left with. But Jacob saw a ladder that united earth with heaven and with angels coming and going. Jacob didn't know what this mystical ladder was. He doesn't know what this mystical ladder is. But at last, Jesus comes and says, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the son of man. Hallelujah. That's the good news. We... We knew there was a ladder, but we didn't know who. Well, we wouldn't have said who. We would have said, we don't know what the ladder is. Well, the, the what of the ladder is a who. Jesus is the point that connects heaven and earth. Jesus is the one who opens heaven. So we're not, we're not just merely under the sun with nothing but a cold and uncaring cosmos overhead. I mean, that, that's, that's, that's the philosophy of materialism. That, that, all that all that is is what we know as matter here. That, that's when you say, well, all is vanity. It's just, you know. But no, we, we do not live merely beneath a cold and uncaring cosmos. Jesus is the one who opens heaven. And Jesus is the one who unites unites earth with heaven. So the, so the breach, the breach has been healed. The, the breach has been closed. There, there was something that seemed to separate heaven and earth, but Jesus is the one that, that brings it back together again. So there's something to us praying thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, because there is the possibility now of, of heaven breaking into earth because Jesus is the latter. And Jesus is the one who saves us from Solomon's despair that all is, all is vanity. I've tried it all. I've had all the money, I've had all the women, I've had all the wine and song, and it's all vanity, Solomon says. And I say, no, it's not, Solomon. 
Remember, Jesus is the one who is greater than Solomon. Queen of Sheba came to, came to hear the wisdom of Solomon, but Jesus says, there is one among you that is greater than Solomon. And so Jesus is the one who saves us from Solomon's despair that all is vanity because no, not all is vanity, all is grace. All is grace. From his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. It's not all is vanity, all is grace. From his fullness, we have received, we have all received grace upon grace, upon grace. Here, I got something here to help show this to you. This is, uh, this is my hourglass, you know, about an hourglass. So, you know, it takes an hour for that. So, well, I just, I just now started. So I still have an hour to go. All right, good. This, this is my clock here. Just getting started. Yeah. Well, you, you understand how an hourglass works. So you have, you have two spheres, upper and lower. Let's call it mm, heaven and earth. And uh, this, this sphere is largely empty at this moment. Uh, where this one is full. But if, if they're cut off from one, the, the fullness of heaven doesn't do anything for earth if there's no point. But in an hourglass, there is a, think of it this way, a single point where they connect. A single point. A single point. Anybody have any idea what this single point is? It's the one who is fully God and fully human in one single person, Jesus Christ. The, the only problem with this, with this illustration here is you have to imagine that this sphere here is infinite. See, this one is gonna run out in an hour. But the true heaven, the true divine, the true nature of God is infinite. And God never is exhausted. God never, oh, that's, that's all the sand, time's up. Grace is up, no more grace, no. Of his fullness we have received grace upon grace. Just get, look, grace upon grace, upon grace, upon grace, upon grace, upon grace. All is not vanity, all is grace flowing into the world from heaven through Jesus Christ. Ooh, this is good. We'll just, we'll just put this here and I can see how much more time I have. All right. Look at this. Look at uh, 1 Corinthians. I like that. I like that. I hope that concept helps you. Just, just though you have to remember the, uh, the, the upper sphere is infinite. God's grace is not going to run out for you. Just stay there with that point that is Jesus and it's coming into your life. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting verse 45. Paul writes, thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. This is, this is Paul quoting Genesis 2-7. So Paul quotes Genesis 2-7. The first man, Adam, Adam, humankind, became a living being, a, a nephesh, a living soul, a living being. So God forms Adam from the dust of the earth, breathes upon him the breath of life. He becomes a living being. And through our human origin, then we gain 
biological life, physical life, you know, DNA and all that sort of stuff is passed on. It's why, it's why you can go to ancestry.com or one of those and, and kind of find out because, you know, there's this, there's this history. Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, you know, you know who the last Adam is. We talked about this when I talked about recapitulation, the rebooting of the human race through Jesus Christ. That's Jesus. The last Adam became not just, not just a living being, but a life-giving spirit. Life-giving spirit. There, there's Jesus just giving, 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 giving life, 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 grace, 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 flowing into humanity. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the physical and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As the man, as was the man of dust, so are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we will also bear the image of the man of heaven. So what's going on here? Well, just as Adam, as our human origin, eventually pulls us down to the dust. I mean, what are you going to hear in here on Ash Wednesday? Remember, you are dust and to dust you shall return. That's true. Just as Adam, as our human origin, eventually pulls this corporal part of us back down into the dust from whence it came, well, Jesus Christ, the last Adam, the man of heaven, Jacob's ladder, will also pull us up to heaven and into eternal life. Because of Jesus Christ, death is swallowed up in victory. That's, that's how Paul ends this whole passage. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So, angels ascend and descend upon the Son of Man as the ladder set up between heaven and earth. Where Jesus is present, help from the sanctuary arrives or infinite grace is always flowing. So when we speak the name of Jesus, it's as if we set up a ladder to connect with God's infinite grace of heaven. When we speak the name of Jesus in faith, heaven is open and help comes. So when we pray, Lord Jesus Christ, son of God, have mercy on me, it comes. The angels ascend and descend. The grace flows. Lord Jesus Christ, son of God, have mercy on me. One of the problems is, is that too many, especially American Christians, think of mercy as a reprieve from punishment. That's, that's, I mean, it may entail that in part, possibly, but, but no, we're just mercy. We're talking about grace. We're talking about the life of God. We're talking about the assistance of heaven. We're talking about the grace you need now. Lord Jesus Christ, son of God, have mercy on me. You are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Oh, do you believe? You'll see greater things than these because I'm the one upon whom heaven's aid traverses back and forth, back and forth. Every time in faith we pray, Lord Jesus Christ, son of God, have mercy on me. The help comes. 
The grace comes. The mercy comes. The life from heaven flows into us. Right? Let's just begin to pray that right now. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. Pray it again. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. Stand up. Stand up with me. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy. You're, you're, you're putting up that ladder. You're putting up that ladder. And the help is coming. The aid is coming. The assistance is coming. The communication of grace and mercy, it's, it's flowing into you when you speak. That name is a ladder set up on earth whose top reaches into the heaven and the angels ascend and descend. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. Amen and amen. Now, let's come and receive even more grace. Let's come and receive even more grace. Let's, let's come, give me, uh, hand me one of the bulletins because it's got that prayer on it that I want. Somebody, somebody will have one. Here we go, here we go. Pastor Derek's on the ball. This, this is our prayer for the week. Almighty God, whose son, our savior, Jesus Christ is the light of the world. Grant that your people illumined by your word, we've heard the word, and sacraments. Our connection with heaven. That's what, that's what sacrament is about. It is a material means of connecting with the heavenly realm. Grant that your people illumined by your word and sacrament may shine with the radiance of Christ's glory that he may be, that he may be known, worshipped, and obeyed to the ends of the earth through Jesus Christ our Lord who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns one God now and forever. Amen. So let's prepare our hearts to enter into the mystery of the sacrament and receive the heavenly gift of the life of Jesus Christ, first by confessing our faith and then by confessing our sins. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now join with me in confessing our sins. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name, amen. And God is merciful to all who confess their sins and in humility ask for mercy. In the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. And this is the table, not of the church, but of the Lord. It is made ready for those who love him and for those who want to love him more. So come you who have much faith and you who have little. You who have been here often and you who have not been here long. You who have tried to follow and you who have failed, come. 
because it is the Lord who invites you. It is his will that those who want him should meet him here. The body of Christ broken for you, the blood of Christ shed for you. Amen.